Good evening. I have found the book. Turn with me in 2 Kings chapter 22. In verse 8, we'll start with there and then we'll go back and cover more of the chapter. But in verse 8, it says, And Hilkiah the high priest said unto Shaphan the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan and he read it. Now this takes place during the reign of Josiah. Uh, and we read uh, beginning in verse 1 and verse 2 that Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign over Judah. It says there, and I can make this work. Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 30 and one years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Jedidah, the daughter of Adiah of Boscath. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. And walked in all the way of David his father, and turned not aside to the right hand or to the left. And so here, uh, Israel, or Judah specifically, has gone through 57 years of evil kings. You had King Manasseh who reigned 55 years. He did evil. Did much evil. Now, he did repent. And I love that story about Manasseh, how in the end of his life, how he came back and he repented and he tried to restore and undo the evil that he had done, but it was too little too late. And he passed away and his son Ammon reigned for two years and he was an evil king. Josiah comes on the scene as an eight-year-old boy, the son of Ammon. And uh, he as a young child, becomes king. And I have no doubt that here are some great influences in his life now that his father is no longer in the picture, that he has uh, Hilkiah the priest and he has Shaphan the scribe. I believe these are mentors to Josiah along with people such as Jeremiah and, um, and others. And so uh, he had a great support network, you might say. And so he did that which was right in the sight of God. He didn't turn to the right or the left. He did that which was good. Now, because of the rulers that they'd had for 57 years, the temple is not in a very good state. It is in a state of disrepair and neglected. Just like any physical structure, if you don't take care of it, it's not going to hold up. It's going to fall down. It's going to have problems. And so uh, the temple here, it uh, says in verse 3, and it came to pass in the 18th year of King Josiah. And so eight, he's been on the throne for 18 years now. He ruled as a young child. And so he's about 26 years old. And it says the temple is in disrepair. So really you think all the way back from the times of Hezekiah, which I have no doubt he took care of the temple. 75 years have elapsed and this building is in disrepair through neglect. In verse 3, it came to pass the 18th year of King Josiah that the king sent Shaphan, the son of Azahiah, the son of Meshulam, and the scribe, or the scribe to the house of the Lord, saying, Go up to Hilkiah the high priest, that he may sum the silver which is brought into the house of the Lord, which the keepers of the door have gathered of the people, and let them deliver it into the hands of the doers of the work. That the oversight that have the oversight of the house of the Lord, and let them give it to the doers of the work which is in the house of the Lord to repair repair the breaches of the house. 
unto carpenters and builders and masons to buy timber and hewn stone to repair, repair the house. Howbeit there was no reckoning made of them of the money that was delivered into their hands because they dealt faithfully. And so they handed the money to the faithful uh, builders and workers, the doers of the work, and they began the, the job of restoring the temple. And so uh, Shaphan, though, the, the scribe, he finds a discovery as they are maybe clearing out some of the rubble. And he finds the book of the law. The book of the law. And he has it brought to the king. Now the book of the law had been lost and now it is found. And so we can learn a lot as we see the attitude of Josiah toward God's book. Towards God's book. Uh, first of all, notice in 8 through 10, again, uh, Hilkiah the high priest said in the shape of the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan, and he read it. And Shaphan the scribe came to the king and brought the king word again and said, Thy servants have gathered the money that was found in the house and have delivered it into the hands of them that do the work that have the oversight of the house of the Lord. And Shaphan the scribe showed the king, saying, Hilkiah the priest hath delivered me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. And so he read the, the book. He says, Shaphan has found a book. You know, what about the book? What happened to those who were without the book? You know, without the book, they were without faith in God. You know, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Without the book, what did they do? You think about what Manasseh did. You think about what Ammon did. They uh, installed idols and idol worship all throughout Jerusalem. Even in the temple of the Lord, they put up idols. Without the book, they made gods for themselves. Now, how could the book be lost? Neglect, I guess. You know, in Deuteronomy chapter 17... Verses 18 and 19, long before there was a king, uh, God knew there was going to come a time when the people demanded a king. And God uh, made a, a, a statement there in Deuteronomy 17. And verse 18, regarding this king that will sit upon the throne, and it shall be when he sitteth upon the throne of his kingdom that he shall write him a copy of this law in a book out of that which is before the priests of the Levites. And it shall be with him, and he shall read therein all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord his God, and keep all the words of the law and statutes to do them. You know, a good way to learn anything is to write it. You know, when you were in elementary school, you know, your teacher says, well, copy out page 10 of your book. At least they did when I was in school. And you learn every word that is in there because you're writing it out by hand. And so you think if, if you're going to take the Bible and you're going to, to take your Bible and lay it in front of you and go down it word by word and, and write your own copy in your own writing. Think about how much that's going to imprint on your brain. And so uh, apparently this had not been done. Maybe for generations. And so the book was lost. The, court, the consequence of this course of action has much influence on future generations as it did on the generation that lost them. And so you know, imagine if uh, Manasseh had been brought up studying and reading from the law all the days of his life. We know that when he was finally 
you know, brought low, when he was finally brought to repentance, he uh, gave his whole heart to trying to restore uh, and undo all the evil he had done. Imagine if he had begun with a knowledge of God's Word. You know, without the book, all blessings from God are cut off. We cannot have faith, Romans 10, 17, without hearing the Word of God. In Matthew 4 and verse 4, Jesus said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And we know in 2 Timothy 3 and verse 15 that Paul tells Timothy that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures which make thee wise unto salvation. And all Scripture is given. Uh, let me start over here. And that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, duly furnished unto all good works. To be fully mature as a person of God we need God's Word. Without it, we cannot be what God wants us to be. Because it is the book of God that tells us, demonstrates for us, what it is that God wants for us. And so we see his attitude, first of all, is he read the book, or he had it read in his presence. He wanted to know what it said. We also notice his attitude that he took toward the Word of God. He had the right attitude about the Word. In verse 11, it came to pass when the king had heard the words of the book of the law that he rent his clothes. And the king commanded Hilkiah the priest and Ahikam the son of Shaphan and Achbor the son of Micaiah and Shaphan the scribe, and Azahiah, a servant of the king, saying, Go ye inquire of the Lord for me, and for the people, and for all Judah, concerning the words of this book that is found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us, because our fathers have not hearkened unto the words of this book, to do according unto all that which is written concerning us. And so his heart... Uh, was not hardened when he heard the word. So many people, when they hear the word of God, especially when they hear the word of God and it condemns them, rather than change their life, you know, it, I always find it interesting that, that uh, you know, Jonah hated the Ninevites. He didn't want them to be saved. They heard the message and they immediately repented. They changed their hearts and they changed their actions. You know, we see that with Josiah as well. A lot of people, though, their hearts are hardened by the Word of God. When Jesus came, He found hard hearts. In Matthew 13, verses 14 and 15, He said of His day, And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which saith, By hearing ye shall hear, and shall not understand, and seeing ye shall see, and not perceive. For this people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and should understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. He said their, their heart is waxed gross, it's become hardened. It's hardened over, it is not willing to listen. Josiah, though, 
in contrast, recognized the importance of the message of the book. And he recognized also the urgency of the matter. You know, his turn from sin was the evidence. The book of Acts, uh, you know, reveals many hearts turning unto God at the preaching of the gospel. You know, in Acts 2, verse 36, where uh, Peter made the great conclusion to the sermon that this same Jesus, whom you have crucified, hath God made both Lord and Christ. And then their attitude says, when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts. And they cried out and said, men and brethren, what should we do? There were some on that day that heard the message and they turned to God because of the message. And so we see that attitude also with Josiah. And notice he he doesn't, he acknowledges the consequences of what happened because their parents Previous generations lost the book. He recognizes that, but he doesn't use it as an excuse. He doesn't hide by, well, that's what mom and dad did, and and it's their fault, not mine. He doesn't use that as an excuse. And so he had the right attitude. And then also, he saw a need to go and teach others. Look over in 2 Kings 23, 1-3, and the king sent... And they gathered unto him all the elders of Judah and of Jerusalem. And the king went up into the house of the Lord and all the men of Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem with him and the priests and the prophets and the people both small and great. And he read in their ears all the words of the book of the covenant which was found in the house of the Lord. And the king stood by a pillar and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord. And to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all their heart, with all their soul, to perform the words of this covenant that were written in the book, and all the people stood to the covenants. And so he saw their situation because they did not have the book. They did not have uh, God's word, and they uh, walked according to their own ideas and their own thinking. He saw a need to teach the word to other people. You know, the book affords us the knowledge that we need to spread the good news to others. Such knowledge should never be gained or could never be gained anywhere else. The only way to know how to be saved and how to go to heaven is to look at God's word and read what it says. You know, Josiah saw a great need to go out and to reach out to others. He saw the message as necessary for all. Just like Christ's message is necessary for all of us. Everyone in the world in Matthew 28 verses 19 and 20. Jesus said, go ye therefore and teach all nations. Make disciples, literally, of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Teaching them to observe all all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. Uh, Josiah, he he recognized the need to teach it to others. You know, he could reform himself and and do what's right and be saved. Or could he? Unless he went out and reached out to others. And so he saw a need to teach others. He also uh, rejected every false way. 
If you go down through chapter 23, and we're not going to go down and read all of this, but he did everything he could to get rid of and stamp out false religion. In verses 4 through 9, he dealt with the worship of Baal, the temples, the high places, uh, everything dedicated to uh, Baal he destroyed, and including those that were priests who had dedicated themselves to Baal. He destroyed all of them. He stamped out the worship of uh, the god of the Ammonites, Molech, which is where uh, human sacrifice took place. He destroyed everything about that. Uh, there were those that had set up some kind of idol that worshipped the sun. He got rid of the horses and he destroyed the chariots. Uh, even the temples that had been built by Solomon and some of the other kings for their foreign wives, for their foreign gods, their, their uh, false idols. He destroyed all of those places of worship. He even went into uh, Dan, or, or Bathsheba, or Bathsheba. <laughs> Be wherever the golden cast were, Beersheba. <laughs> I said Bathsheba. He went to Beersheba. And there he destroyed that uh, golden calf there uh, built by uh, King Jeroboam. Uh, and that's in fulfillment of the prophecy in 1 Kings 13. Notice there, verses 1 through 3. And behold, there came a man of God out of Judah by the word of the Lord unto Bethel. That's the word Bethel. <laughs> Beersheba. All right. So, Lord unto Bethel and Jeroboam stood by the altar to burn incense. And he cried against the altar in the word of the Lord and said, O altar, altar, thus saith the Lord, behold, a child shall be born unto the house of David, Josiah by name, and upon thee uh, shall he offer the priests of the high places that burn incense upon thee, and men's bones shall be burnt upon thee. And he gave a sign the same day, saying, This is the sign which the Lord has spoken. Behold, the altar shall be rent, and the ashes that are upon it shall be poured out. And so he took that altar and he destroyed it. They were the graves of the priests of this false religion. He dug those bones up and he uh, polluted the altar with them. And then he looked over and here was a tomb. And he says, whose tomb is that? Well, that's the prophet that came from Judah. So we'll leave that there. And so he destroyed the idols and the priests also throughout all of Samaria. And so uh, he did everything he could. He, uh, verse 24, he destroyed witchcraft uh, in Judah. All of those that were involved in witchcraft, he, he put them to death. You know, he was not a passive servant of God. Now Psalm 119 and verse 104 says... Um, Through thy precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. As he came to an understanding of God's will and God's precepts, he hated every false way and he did everything he could. Everything within his power to get rid of all of this false worship. He destroyed the heathen idols and he restored uh, the worship of God to Judah. Notice uh, verses 21 to 23 of 2 Kings 23. It says, um, And the king commanded all the people, saying, Keep the Passover unto the Lord your God, as it is written in the book of this covenant. Surely 
There was not beholden or not holding such a Passover from the days of the judges that judged Israel, nor in all the days of the kings of Israel, nor of the kings of Judah. But in the eighteenth year of King Josiah, wherein this Passover was holding to the Lord in Jerusalem. You think about that, in all of the history of Israel, since they had been in the land, never was there a Passover that was observed so uh, rigidly or so uh, uh, with so much devotion as it was on that day. That's quite a statement when you think about hundreds of years. Never was there a Passover like that one. What a restoration that he brought. You know, we're told in John chapter 4 and verse 24 that God expects us to worship in spirit and in truth. God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. You know, there's two elements there. Worship in spirit with the right attitude. Not an, ob- not an attitude of obligation, but an attitude of love and adoration. But in accordance with His will. In accordance with His word. Jude chapter, uh, well Jude, the only chapter, verse 3. Writes, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once for all delivered unto the saints. He had a desire to do God's will and he was going to contend for God's, excuse me, for God's word. He was not going to to sit idly by while his nation fell uh, further and further away from God and fell into idolatry further and further. You know, in all the storied history of Israel, there was no king that turned to the Lord as fully as did Josiah. Look at verse 25. It says, and like unto him, there was no king before him. You think about all the kings that came before this man. Some great men there. Hezekiah. David. There was no king before him. That turned to the Lord with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his might according to all the law of Moses. Neither after him arose there any like him. The greatest king. That's what I get from that. The greatest king that Israel ever had. That the people of God ever had. When they had kings was Josiah. That says a lot. He hated every false way. And finally, I want us to understand that discovering the book of the law is what brought salvation. Back to chapter 22 and verses 16 through 20. Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will bring evil upon this place and upon the inhabitants thereof, even all the words of the book which the king of Judah hath read, because they have forsaken me. And have burned incense unto other gods, that they might provoke me to anger with all the works of their hands. Therefore, my wrath shall be kindled against this place, and shall not be quenched. But to the king of Judah, which sent you to inquire of the Lord, thus shall ye say to him, 
Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, as touching the words which thou hast heard, because thine heart was tender, and because thou hast humbled thyself before the Lord, when thou heardest what I spake against this place, and against the inhabitants thereof, and that they should become a desolation and a curse, and hast rent thy clothes and wept before me, I also have heard thee, saith the Lord. Behold, therefore I will gather thee unto thy fathers, and thou shalt be gathered into thy grave in peace, and thine eyes shall not see all the evil which will I bring upon this place. And they brought the king word again. You know, without this book, Josiah was lost. Without the discovery of the book and the subsequent uh, revival that took place, as short-lived as it may have been, without that, he would have been lost. And that generation, that generation, his generation would have been lost. Without the book, though, there was salvation possible both for him and a nation of people. You know, Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, 16, he says, Take heed unto thyself and to the doctrine, continue in them, for in so doing, this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Notice, the same with Josiah. He saw the book of the law, recognized that he was in the wrong. He ran his clothes, he wept. But he did something about it. He started this great revival. And he wanted to teach it to others. He saw and recognized that he is lost without the word. And if he is lost without the word, so is everyone else. And so he did everything he could to restore to Israel, to Judah, the proper worship of God. You know, with the book of God and with the right disposition of mind, all the blessings of heaven can be ours. You know, I think about our country a lot and, and the, the direction that this nation is going. It's a ship that's sinking and I, I don't know that it can be saved. I don't know that I want it to be saved as a nation. Who wants Sodom to be around? Who wants Gomorrah to be around? It's a ship that's sinking, but you know what ships have? They have lifeboats. Yeah, you know, I can think of a great example. Uh, it was a, I can't remember his first name, Seaman Flores, the U.S. Coast Guard. He was on a, just a buoy tender boat. They were the ones that go out and they put the buoys out there. And they were just out in Tampa Bay, not out in the middle of nowhere or anything. They had a collision with another ship. Tore a big gash in the, in the hole of that ship and it went down fast. It sunk in like 15 minutes. And Seaman Flores kept going to the life jacket locker, pulling out life jackets and taking them to other people without putting one on for himself. And I, I hear basically what happened is he had one for himself. It was the last one, and he saw somebody needed. He gave it to him, and uh, he went down and sunk with the ship and died. But the attitude is, is let's save as many people on this sinking ship as we can. That's our mission. That's really what Judah was do or what uh, Josiah was doing. 
God told him clearly, this ship is going to sink a couple generations. But let's save as many as we can. And that's what we need to think about. There's the urgency. The house is on fire. And the people inside are going to die if we don't get them out. And there's an urgency to that, isn't there? Once a ship starts sinking, it's going to go down. Once a house catches on fire, it's going to burn. You know, minus the firefighters and so forth. But anyway. We need to have that attitude. And that urgency. To not only save ourselves, but others. As many as we can. You know, the book of the law, the right disposition of, disposition of mind. All the blessings of heaven can be ours. It's all right here. You know, there's no one verse in the New Testament that tells us what we need to do to be saved. But when we look at all the things that are combined in that, that it tells that that saves us. Belief, certainly, which comes from the Word of God. As one of the points, without the Word, we cannot believe God. We've got to have faith. We've got to confess our belief. We've got to repent of our sins. We've got to be baptized. And we need to live a faithful life. That's how we are saved. You know, we can be saved. But salvation also, just like the book was lost by neglect, salvation can be lost by neglect, but found again by diligence. Hebrews 2, verses 1 through 3 says, therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For the word spoken by angels was, if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord, and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him? We have God's book today. It is not lost. You can get a free copy of it just about anywhere online. It's available. There's no excuse for us not to know God's will and to not do it. I urge you tonight, if you have not been doing God's will, put on Christ in baptism tonight. If you're a Christian, haven't been living faithful, turn back to God. Just like King Manasseh did. He was evil. He did terrible things, but he came back to God. God is willing to bring you, let you come home. You're willing to come home. Tonight, if you're subject to invitation, let us know by coming forward as we stand and sing.